Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Good morning and welcome to this service of worship on Mother's Day. We will have an opportunity to celebrate and pray for our mothers later in this service. But as we begin now, let us humbly confess our need for God to meet us in this moment of worship, praying together our collect for purity. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us together sing our opening hymn of praise. humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, open our lips and our mouths shall proclaim your praise. O God, make speed to save us. 
O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Please join me as we read Psalm 66. We will read it responsibly by half verse. Be joyful in God, all you lands. Sing praises to the honor of his name. Make his praise to be glorious. Say to God, how wonderful are your works. Through the greatness of your power shall your enemies cower before you. For all the world shall worship you, sing to you, and praise your name. O come and see the works of God, how wonderful he is in his doing toward all people. He turned the sea into dry land, so that they went through the water on foot. Therefore in him let us rejoice. He rules with his power forever. His eyes keep watch over the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our God, you peoples, and make the voice of his praise to be heard, who holds our soul in life and does not allow our feet to slip. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. A reading from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. So if there is any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join us in our gradual.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we believe you inspired your servant Paul to write this hymn of praise in Philippians 2, this hymn of praise to Jesus. And we believe that these words not only had power, in the day that Paul wrote them. But these words have power this day because they're inspired by your Holy Spirit. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit, open this word for us perhaps as never before, that we would be changed more and more to be like Christ Jesus. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to live a life of humble service. I, I really want to live a life of humble service, but I fail at it so often. This early hymn of praise to Jesus in Philippians chapter two, if you'll turn there with me in your Bibles, beginning at verse five of chapter two, this hymn called the Carmen Christi, the Christ hymn, one of the earliest hymns of the church, looks at this amazing picture of Jesus humbling of himself, taking the form of a servant. But it begins in verse 5 with an amazing declaration that this act of humbling ourselves as servants is in fact a gift that has been given to us as Jesus' followers. Verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours 
in Christ Jesus. Ours. But the immediate question I ask when I look at this promise in verse 5 and my desire to live this Jesus-like life of humble service is why is it so often rare that we see this lived out in our world? And the answer is because we are prone to forget. I have a parishioner who for four years that I've been here has anonymously sent me a joke handwritten every week. And some of those jokes have made themselves, made their way into sermons. This one I've been sitting on waiting for Mother's Day for some time. And the joke goes like this, that Father Bob is attending a pastor's conference. And at the pastor's conference, the speaker begins his talk by saying this, for many years now, I have enjoyed the love of a woman who is not my wife. And the whole room gasps. And then he says, and she is my mother. Everyone laughs and continues. And Father Bob says, next Sunday, I'm going to use this joke in my own sermon. And so Father Bob, who is unfortunately prone to forget, gets up in front of the congregation with his opening joke and says to his congregation, for many years now, I have enjoyed the love of a woman who is not my wife. And then his mind goes blank and he forgets the punchline. And after a few awkward seconds, he simply says, I've forgotten her name. See, the reason we go to church is so that we don't forget. Through word and sacraments, we are reminded of the gospel. And we need to be reminded of the gospel. This is what Philippians 2 is doing. Paul is reminding the Philippians of who they are in Christ. We who are prone to forget need to remember. And in this short hymn of praise... Paul wants us to remember first the peculiarity of this life of humble service. That to to live this life of humble service is peculiar in this world. It will look different. And that difference is transformative. But not only is it peculiar, but Paul wants us to be reminded of the pattern of this life of humble servant, that we're not simply left to our own devices to figure it out. No, we've been given the example, the exemplar, the pattern. But not only does he want us to be reminded of the peculiarity and of the pattern of this life of humble service, but Paul wants us to be reminded of our possession of this life. Our possession of this life of humble service, that it is ours in Christ Jesus. It is something that has been given to us, though it can seem so hard for us to grasp at times. See, first, we need to be reminded of the peculiarity of humble service. In verses 3 and 4, in the lead up to this hymn of praise, Paul says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Note here in verse 4, Paul doesn't say that you're simply to ignore the practical needs of your own life. He says, look not only to your own needs. Of course, you need to steward the life that God has given you. But that you are to look to the needs of others. And verse 3 makes it clear where he's heading with this, to count others more significant than ourselves. As strange as these words may sound in our day, we need to recognize that these words were even more peculiar in Paul's day when he wrote them. Today we have some degree of understanding of the value and the virtue of humility and service, but not in Paul's day. In the Greco-Roman world, service was not a virtue. Service was the fate of a whole class of people, the slaves. Not virtuous to be a servant. And also Aristotle went further to say that humility was a vice, 
And yet in the New Testament, humility as a virtue is used 270 times. We begin to see just how peculiar and different this gospel was in Paul's world. How peculiar and different it was to say that there was our God who would come among us as a humble servant and that we would worship the one who had been crucified and died as a servant of the many. Even today, a life of humble service, though commended, is often seen as rather impractical. As J. Paul Getty, one of the first billionaires in petroleum, once wrote, the meek shall inherit the earth, but not its mineral rights. The reason that Mother's Day stands out among so many holidays is because of the humble service that is so rare and yet that we see so often in motherhood. Now, we all know that mothers aren't perfect and for some of us, more or less perfect depending on the family you were raised in. But the idea of motherhood, giving up so much of your life, including your very own body for the sake of a child, is this rare picture of humble service in our world. And so we celebrate. A number of years ago, Forbes had an article surveying, hypothetically, what a stay-at-home mom uh, should be paid. Um, and so this was in 2011, and, and Forbes said that the typical stay-at-home mom works 97 hours a week with roles as varied as daycare supervisor, tutor, psychologist, chef, housekeeper, nurse, computer operator, facilities manager, van driver, and therefore, if remunerated, and these are 2011 stats, a stay-at-home mom's base salary would be $37,000 plus $78,000 in overtime, equaling $115,000, a six-digit salary. And for moms who worked outside the home, uh, that they would still get their mom base salary of $37,000, and they'd also get some overtime, about $24,000 worth, equaling $61,000 on top of their day jobs. I remember reading this to Monica in 2011. I said, look at this, and her response was, you can't put a price on motherhood. And I said, exactly. That's why we celebrate this day as a day of celebrating servants, those who serve radically for us. But here's the amazing thing is St. Paul isn't just arguing that this act of humble service is to be shown between a mother and a child, but is to be shown from all of us to everyone else. One of the most radical moments where we see this played out is where Jesus will tell us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you and Paul picks that up in Romans chapter 12, verse 20, and takes this act of humbling service towards not only all types of people, but even our enemies. He says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. But then Paul says this, he says, so by doing, you will be heaping burning coals on his head. And here's what Paul means by that burning Cole's image is that when you show this kind of humble service towards an enemy, the peculiarity and the strangeness of such love will be transformative even in your enemy's eyes. They may not tell you, but the enemy will be transformed in a way because of this peculiar service. See, Paul wants us to be reminded of just how peculiar this life of humble service is. But not only that, he wants to remind us of the pattern of this life of humble service. See, we need patterns in our lives. We, we need mentors and examples to show us the way we should go. And again, on Mother's Day, we acknowledge that so many of the things we've learned in life is because we've seen them modeled for us 
from our mothers, sometimes good, sometimes bad. I am amazed when I look at the patterning in my own life from my mother, um, how many of the phrases that she spoke over me are almost the identical phrases I end up speaking over my own children. She patterned some words and phrases for me, and I have followed in that pattern in my own life with my own children at times uh, about religion. You'd better pray this will come out of the carpet. About irony. Stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. About globalization. There are starving children in the world who would love your liver and onions. About anticipation. Just wait until your father gets home. About humor. If you fall out of that tree and break your legs, don't come running to me. About love. I'll never stop loving you, but don't think I haven't considered murder. And about justice. One day you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you. See, as our mothers will in so many ways pattern for us what life is to look like, Jesus is the ultimate pattern of what it looks like to be a humble servant. He models it for us. He shows us what this life looks like. See, in verses 6 and 7 and 8, it talks about the amazing mystery of the incarnation. Paul describes Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, or as it could be described and translated, as a thing to be thrust upon others but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, the key word in that whole description of the incarnation is in verse 7, when Paul says he emptied himself. In, in Greek, it's the word kenosis, this act of self-emptying. That the Son of God emptied himself to become a humble servant. And throughout 2,000 years, theologians have debated about what exactly this emptying means. I mean, how can the Son of God empty himself and still retain his divinity? Because how can God become such a humble creature? And yet, the incarnation is demonstrating to us that we as human beings without special revelation have no idea what divinity is truly like. That in fact, what the incarnation shows us is that in emptying himself, the son of God does not cease to become divine, but shows us what true divinity looks like. True divinity, true godliness looks like the one who has everything, giving it up for the one who has nothing, emptying himself is what divinity means. As Wesley's hymn so beautifully says, he left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace, emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis Mercy all, immense and free, but oh my God, it found out me. This is what the pattern of humble service looks like. The one who is full, emptying himself out for the sake of the other. And it changes the world. We're beginning this, this month uh, a marriage course and we're going to be offering this online to our parishioners because we're convinced more and more pastorally that during a time of isolation, good marriages may get better, but difficult marriages may well get worse. And for all of us, whether we believe we have a good marriage or an unhealthy marriage, we need to invest in our marriages and we have some more time on our hands to do so. And so we're offering this marriage course, and this marriage course is actually from the creators of the Alpha course that some of you may be familiar with 
out of Holy Trinity Brompton in London. And, and it's, it's a wonderful marriage course that we commend it for all of you to sign up for. And for those of you who remember the Alpha course, which is more of an evangelism course, I remember one of the favorite stories I've ever heard about the Alpha course was about a man's conversion in the context of one of these Alpha courses. And at the end of the course, this man had become a Christian and he was interviewed and they asked him why he, what was the, the linchpin? What, what made the moment of conversion happen? And the man said this, he said, I loved the Alpha talks and I loved the group discussions, but I was converted by a man who came every week when we were meeting and would prepare our dinner and serve us our dinner every evening. And this man wasn't even taking the course. And I said to myself, if Jesus can inspire someone to serve perfect strangers in the middle of this busy world, then I want that same Jesus to inspire my life too. You see, this is the pattern that Jesus gives us. As Tony read a few moments ago in John chapter 13, in the context of the Last Supper where Jesus washed his disciples' feet, this act of humble servants before his death. And when he said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Truly, truly, I say to you. Verse 15, I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. And then verse 35, by this all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. That it will not be because of our moral finger pointing at culture. It will not be because of signs that say repent and burn on the highway. But people will know we are Jesus' disciples as they see loving, humble service offered in a world that is desperate for it. He is the pattern. But finally, Paul leaves us not just with the peculiarity and the pattern of this life of service, this life of humble service, but he wants us to be reminded of our possession of this life of humble service. Again, as I began with verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that if you're a Christian this life of humble service is not something that's just remotely possible. It's something that is in your very possession. It's yours. It's been given to you by nature of your baptism, by grace through faith. This life is yours. But then you say, why does it not happen? At least not often enough in our lives. And it's because we face this pragmatic obstacle. I get this from Martin Luther. He beautifully unpacks this pragmatic obstacle as he looks here at, at, at Philippians chapter 2. See, the, the pragmatic obst obstacle that we all face, every time we come into those moments of humble service that seems just too much, as we say to ourselves, if I focus too much on serving others, Who's going to take care of me? How will I remain secure if I'm so focused on serving others? And Luther, recognizing this obstacle, said that it could only be removed by embracing the gospel, the good news of God and Jesus Christ. The gospel that Luther described in this context as the wonderful exchange because for Luther, he said, the problem is we feel insecure. We feel that we are empty. We feel that we are walking around in this world without any hope, without any security, without the gospel. This is what a human life is. And there's no way you can tell that human being who is struggling with a sense of 
emptiness and a sense of insecurity and tell them to give that away, even that little bit they have for the sake of others. He says, no, if instead you embrace the gospel, the good news of what God has done for you in Jesus, in this wonderful exchange, you can see that you are not empty at all. As he writes, by a wonderful exchange, our sins are no longer ours, but Christ's. And the righteousness of Christ, not Christ's, but ours. He has emptied himself of his righteousness that he might clothe us with it and fill us with it. As 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Luther is saying that a person can only be ready to be emptied for others when they are secure in the fact that they are full. Everything that is Christ's is now ours. His status as a son and an heir, his security and the love of his father, his eternity. This all being Jesus is now all ours if we are in Christ. That's what this one verse, verse five, means. And Paul wants us to desperately remember this. Only when we know we're full will we be able to be emptied. I saw this early in my life as a Christian when I was quitting theater to go off to seminary. And I was convicted by God that I was called to be a pastor and to give up what was already a successful theater career. And I heard from many Christians a warning to say, Paul, be careful that you're not squandering the gift of God. And it put me in a real state of confusion and worry that maybe I was not approaching this the right way. So I went and sought after the help of a mentor, a friend who was an artistic director of a theater company, a Christian named Jeremy Tao. Jeremy has now gone to be with the Lord. I remember thinking at the time that Jeremy was so old because I was in my 20s and he was in his 40s and now here I am in my 40s realizing that I was an idiot thinking he was old. But the point being that Jeremy leaned across the table and he said something I'll never forget and it changed me. He said, Paul, I found that those who are full of talent and know it, have a much easier time giving it up. But those who are insecure because of their lesser talent just can't let it go. See, the reason we struggle to live into humble servant is because service is because we forget that we're full. In those moments, the devil wants us to believe that we're empty. We have nothing more to give. We better protect ourselves. But the gospel says you're full. You're complete. You're secure. It's like in Luke chapter 15, verse 31, as the father of the two sons says to his elder son, son, his miserly elder son, he says, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. See, rather than being guilted into humble service, as so often this text can be used for, misused for, instead, we have the gospel lead us into humble service. The good news that this is ours because we are full in Christ. I want to live a life of humble service. I really want more and more of this life but I fail at it so often. The gospel, Paul tells us, in this early hymn of faith in Philippians 2, is that this life of humble service that we see patterned in Jesus is our life. We possess it in Christ. But the problem is we forget. We feel empty, we feel insecure, and therefore we close in and protect ourselves. And this is why we come to church. Or in this season, this is why we watch church together week after week. So that we will not forget 
so that we will remember the peculiarity of what this humble service life looks like. This is so peculiar, it will change the world around us as we live it. The pattern of this humble service, that Jesus stands before us, as Hebrews chapter 12 says, as the author and perfecter of our faith. We can see it, but that we can also remember our possession of this. This is not something we need to be guilted into doing. But this is something we need to believe is true about ourselves. This is the life that we've been given to live because this is the full life of Christ living in us. Wherever Jesus has placed you to serve in this season, There will be hours and there will be days and there will be weeks when you will say, I can't practically do this. And in those moments, we need to remember the gospel. In the words of Hebrews chapter 12, and I end with this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so close and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God Almighty. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Oh
Together, let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show your mercy upon us and grant us your salvation. O Lord, guide those who govern us and lead us in the way of justice and truth. Clothe your ministers with righteousness and let your people sing with joy. O Lord, save your people and bless your inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord, and defend us by your mighty power. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and take not your Holy Spirit from us. You are invited to offer your own prayers and petitions at this time. a collect in times of social conflict or distress. Increase, O God, the spirit of neighborliness among us, that in peril we may uphold one another, in suffering tend to one another, and in homelessness, loneliness, or exile befriend one another. Grant us brave and enduring hearts that we may strengthen one another until the disciplines and testing of these days are ended and you again give peace in our time. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Collect of the Day. Almighty God, whom truly to know is everlasting life, grant us so perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way the truth, and the life, that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. I'm so glad you've been able to join us for worship this morning on Mother's Day. We want to pray for you, mothers among us, 
And though during this season of online services, we've not given instructions during the services of when to stand and when to sit and when to kneel, because we know that depending on the situation you're in, as you watch this, you may not be able to do all those things. But if you're able, if you're a mother watching today, would you stand so that we can acknowledge and pray for you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the gift of mothers. We thank you for the way that they care for the children of the world. We thank you for the example of Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, and how she exemplifies a picture of motherhood and sacrifice and service. And we pray that for our mothers who are living, Lord, that you would strengthen them and sustain them and hold them today and help them know the thanks that we have for their humble service and love. But for those mothers who've gone on before us, let us together give thanks to you, almighty God, for the ways that they served and loved us. May they still teach and instruct us this day as we seek to live humbly in this world. And Lord, we do pray that you would bring healing to families that experience division and fracture between mothers and fathers and children. And we pray that through the gospel, we would see a great revolution of love in our homes. So bless these mothers this day. Help us know how to love them well in Jesus. Amen. Before the final blessing, I also want to share just a few words about ways that Christ Church has been able to be involved in blessing those least of these around us in this difficult COVID-19 season. Just recently, we've been able to support our Rwandan ministry partners with a gift for relief that specifically goes towards feeding families who cannot eat because of isolation in this season. And as well, we've given towards the Matthew 25 initiative here within the Anglican Church in North America, one of the most exciting projects that we see happening in North America, an opportunity to be strengthening local ministries, serving those who are the least of these, with food farms for families, with care for food pantries and medical care for chaplains going into nursing homes and hospitals safely. You and I together at Christ Church are able through Matthew 25 and our partnership with Rwanda to be part of this care for our world. And so now, as we go into this week, would you receive this word of benediction? This word that reminds you and I of truly who we are and what we know in the gospel. The peace of God which passes all understanding guards your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his son Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Let us sing together our final hymn of praise.
Alleluia, alleluia. Let us go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Amen.